Welcome to Dragon Talk. I'm Greg Tito, and I am so thankful to be joined by my wonderful co-host, Shelly Mazanova. Hi, Tito. Hi. It's good to be back. So excited you're here. Me too. I missed it. I missed so much. I missed you. I missed the banters. I missed you, Pelham. I missed you, Ryan. I missed you, Caitlin. I missed you, Todd. (laughs) I missed you, uh, Deirdre. I don't know. I'm just coming over there. That was good. <laughs> Those are good ones, right? Yeah. What was, we were talking about was that the magic, the magic garden. Yeah, they would do that. They never said my name. Romper Room would do that too. Yep, never said my name there. Yeah. Channel 9. WPIX. That's, that was Channel 11. Picks. Yeah. Picks. That was yeah. the magic garden. Yeah, I see. They were, they were, they, see, they were competing. We're talking about old school uh, children's programming made in the before times, before cable. Right. Like on an actual TV. Yes. With a dial that you had to change by hand. Right, exactly. Right around when D&D was in its uh, 80s heyday. Yeah. Exactly, right? right. In the early 80s. Yeah. Crazy. No. It's young, actually around the that. time when the adventures uh, that Ghost of Saltmarsh is based on uh, were, oh. were published. 1981, 82, around there. I feel like it was earlier. Mm, it might be. Because I was be. like 24 in 1981. <laughs> I don't think I was watching children programming. You weren't born yet in 1981. <laughs> You're 16 years old. Uh, Ghosts of Saltmarsh is coming out very soon. It'll be everywhere May 21st. That is soon. It's very exciting. We have the actual physical uh, products in the office for the first time. Mm-hmm. I just was handed them like an hour ago. Uh, and Shelly is holding one right now. We've I got am. both covers. Um, we're excited uh, about this product. It's got all great seafaring adventures, many of them updated from previous publications. Uh, we mentioned... The U series of adventures were published uh, by the TSR office in the UK. Uh, and so those are in there. They've been updated as well as a lot of original material about the town of Saltmarsh and rules to run your ship and ship combat. There's a lot of scaly looking dudes in here. There's a lot of scaly looking dudes. They all have the grayscale and uh, will be dying unless uh, Samuel Tarley can save them. Uh-oh. Um, sorry, there's, there's another... Large fantasy property that's been on the brain recently. Um, but, uh, yeah, and we are going to be talking to Wolfgang Bauer and Steve Winter um, from Cobalt Press who, who ha- contributed to this book. They did a lot of the updates to these adventures as well as kind of the first ideation uh, drafts of uh, uh, the material in I that book. I love that. Isn't that cool? Yes. And we haven't talked to Wolfgang in about six to eight months, so right. it's nice to have him back. Yep. I think this is his fifth time. Is he in the yeah, five-timers club? He's definitely our... Um, we don't have a the, jacket for him, The most we? repeat... Let's say the jacket comes at 10. Oh, okay. And we'll give him like a T-shirt. <laughs> T-shirts are <laughs> I mean, we've given him T-shirts before. we gotta, we got to make a jacket, oh. like a five-timers club jacket. Yeah, we I do. Think, I think that's important. Numbers only. A ten, ten-timers jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Old-timers jacket. He'll <laughs> <laughs> love that. <laughs> D&D old-timer. Yeah. Too bad you, you're not eligible, being only 16 years old. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're getting me younger. And the I'm podcast still goes on. <laughs> it was there was something that about a time machine. It, it was it was important. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's awesome. That book again is coming out May 21st. You can get both uh, covers uh, in game stores, but you can only get the alternate cover in game stores. Noted. Noted. That it's beautiful, and it is well, a nice, scuff free. Uh, coating on there with a Sahuagin snarling. It's got some metallic uh, sheen to it. Uh, it's it's drinking the tiger blood. <laughs> I love it. Sweet. 
Um, it is also uh, time of the year when people are gearing up for Pride Month in the month of June. We are partnering again with Lambert House to offer all kinds of fun um, many different things, not just t- last year we did t-shirts. Now we've got so many different things that yes. you can get with the rainbow ampersand and the rainbow planeswalker symbol for magic uh, all over it. And we're excited about it. We're showing off some of it here in the office, uh, in the studio right now with uh, a banner. Uh, yep. That you can use if you're in pride par- parades oh, wait, in your that's community. That's something that you can get. Yeah, you can buy you can buy that shop. banner. Oh my Isn't god! That crazy. I thought we just had it made just to have it made. No, it's it's something that you can purchase. Yeah, that's awesome. Which is fantastic. You know, like if you think about you know uh, uh, in a parade yeah. or something like that, you'd want something to hold in front of you as you as you're walking by. So yes. you can get that. Uh, there's also tons of different kinds of t-shirts, Lots tank of tops. Here's someone's a tank top. Uh, that uh, uh, I, I personally like, and then yeah, there you go. There's the the breast pocket uh, kind of uh, orientation I like for that. This. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yep. So um, go to. Uh, actually, I don't have a good call to action about where to to purchase that. I mean, let me call it up real quick. Uh, there it is. Uh, it's a little bit of a long one, but you guys can figure it out. It's customink.com/slash/fundraising/slash/wotc underscore. Lambert House underscore 2019. What? I know. It's a lot there. I think if you just search for uh, Watsy Lambert House 2019, you'll you'll find it and on I know Custom you've, Inc. You've talked about it on Twitter a lot. So Yes, exactly. Just, so you can always go to uh, the Wizards. Oh, it's probably an easy call-up on Dragon Plus if you have the app. That's installed. right. Because you can get all of the social media stuff. And I have some news about Dragon Plus. It will be coming out next week. A new Whoa. issue. There's lots of fun stuff in there, uh, including uh, things about um, uh, uh, the Stranger Things starter set. Cool. Um, as well as... Is, the, is it a Salt Marshy themed the, issue? There's also some Salt Marshy type stuff in there, as well as uh, Acquisitions Incorporated uh, stuff in there. we had a lot of stuff happening in the last couple of months. There's just so much. Uh, there are um, tons of uh, stuff going on. So, yeah, we mentioned Acquisitions Incorporated. Make sure everybody knows about that. It is a book. It is coming out in June. Fun. I want to say June 19th. Sure. I have this doc in front of me for a reason. You think I should use it? Yes, June 18th, everywhere, um, you'll be able to purchase that book. It's 224 pages uh, with material for dungeon masters and players to jump in and play uh, in a D&D game that is, you know, kind of like what you might have seen on PAX stages for, for a decade. Uh, yeah. So tons of fun, lots of madcap Things going on in that book. Um, you'll learn how to tr- start your own chapter of Acquisitions Incorporated, as well as tons of NPCs uh, statted up for use in your games. And that's that, going to be fun. And a whole like mini campaign adventure. There's lots of adventure content in there as well. Um, worked on by a bunch of really awesome uh, folks, including uh, Jerry Holkins and uh, Alyssa Grant uh, from the Penny Arcade side. Alyssa used to work here at Dungeons yep. Dragons, so she knows the ins and the outs of making a D&D book. Uh, and Jerry's been a fan for, for years and years and years. He knows um, a thing or two. And uh, awesome freelancers have been involved in this. So uh, Teo Sabadaya, as well as Merrick oh. Black, were doing uh, great work in uh, bringing that to life, as well as the team here who, uh, you know, uh, put their put their touches on it as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful collaboration amongst a lot of creative folks. And uh, I can't wait for people to jump into it on uh, June 18th. Sounds awesome. It'll be available everywhere, everywhere, but also in Faerun. Well, obviously. I mean, it's, yeah, it'll break yeah. all the rules. Okay. Um, I, some other fun stuff that we just happen to have here in the studio. Uh, we have a mug that is a um, 
color heat sensitive mug. So if you have hot liquids in it, it will have flames, flames that is uh, really appearing. Cool. It's, it's actually, it's probably, yeah, it's. It's dissipating now that the, the, the hot coffee is uh, now lukewarm. Oh, you know what? What? There's another one. Hmm? I didn't know that. There's, a, there's two of them out. That one says roll damage. Oh, but it's on the other side. Oh, I thought it was a totally different mug. It's the same mug, but it's on You the- get both on one mug. I know, right? What? Oh, yeah. Cool. It looks like there's two different ones, but this hey. This mug is not, uh, it's not our, our ampersand mug, but it is available uh, or will be available in Target. Uh, so look for it there. Um, and uh, we also have some awesome miniatures uh, yeah, slash uh, things from uh, our friends at Gale Force 9. So this one is or- Ornax, uh, which, is the, uh, which is a character from uh, Dragon Heist. Um, I won't spoil too much, but I will say I have you been the voice of this character. Are you serious? Yes. Do uh, it. Do the voice. Do the I voice. Can. I don't know. There's lots. There's too much um, uh, modulations to oh. him, but I recorded that as part of uh, Sirenscape, uh, which is pretty awesome. You can this get recent one. No, the one from oh. for Dragon Heist. Oh, right, uh, right. You can use, uh, yeah, you, you, if you get that sound pack on Sirenscape, which is an awesome app uh, that allows you to have basically a soundboard for use in your D&D game that has background music as well as sound effects and all that, uh, and uh, that encounter has uh, my voice in it. I have to hear that. It's pretty crazy. My favorite part is the transformation, because there is a, that, that character does transform, and so I did like a <gasps> thing, and then the modulation on it makes it sound even cooler. Really? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I was a, a crying woman. And a laughing woman. I mean, that's that seems about right. Yeah. If Those I were to, if I were to cast you as something, I'd that is yeah. like my two stages. <laughs> I'm either laughing or I'm crying. Sometimes you're crying while laughing. That's true. Like the last time we were recording together. Bananas. <laughs> and the oh, I forgot everything. I'm gonna have to go back and listen. What was the toot toot thing or the Quinn's toots butts parts? <laughs> I forget, but it does sound like know. something we would have said. No, it was. It was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and Ben Looms, who is the uh, kind of creator and uh, uh, person behind Sirenscape, yeah. he was in the office recently recording stuff for Ghosts of Saltmarsh as yeah. well as some other fun stuff. That so. was fun. I had a, a meeting in a room very close to where they were recording that. <laughs> Just hearing those sounds in the background. Yeah. People are like, oh, yeah. He's so Just good at giving day. directions too. He's like, yes. "All right, do it more." Like he finds like a thing that that you know, because you're right. How do you? What does a mouse monster sound like? And you do some things, and he's like, "Okay, no, zoom in on that sound that you made. Yeah. and do that more, yeah. and I do that six times and stuff like that." Isn't he like an opera singer or something? Yeah, he he's yeah. a trained opera singer. Yeah, yeah, that might come into play for D and D Live 2019. Oh Just my throwing God. that out Can there. Can we talk about that? We should. Let's talk about it. Let's what, talk about it. What questions do you have? Because I was I'm, like, I'm going. Getting, yay. Shelly's going to be there. No FOMO for me. There will be Mo. Just Mo. No foe. No foe for me. <laughs> no mofo. <laughs> mo. <laughs> Wait, can you say that? Oopsies. All right, I'm calling it. I said a bad word. Uh, so that's going to be awesome. We're going to do some Dragon Talk live yep. from uh, D&D I live. can't wait. Yeah. We, I still have to work on what that run and show is actually going to be, but it's going to be rapid fire, and we're going to be talking to a lot of people, and it's going to be tons of fun. It's going to be great. Yeah. Now we, only, now we have to get Ryan down there. That's like the big... Well, he's, like, just going to have, like, a new baby. He'll want to come. I know. I've asked him. And he's, like, he said the exact same thing. He's, like, uh, hmm. There could be some due dates that conflict with that uh, and all the fun stuff. We just have to plan our events. Why don't we just do that live? I mean, that's what D&D Live is all about is, is, is showing 
uh, what's going to happen. And we'll have... From yeah. the hospital room, yeah, we'll join. Oh you my guys. god, and we'll have Sirenscape really? come and record it, oh and then god. they can make like, like sounds. here's a hook horn. Yeah, harpy. <laughs> 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 my wife's gonna be so proud. She, is, this sounds awesome. Yeah, All right. I mean, like it's a total missed opportunity. You talk to her, and then we'll pitch it, and it'll be great. Who wouldn't want that? I don't know any woman who wouldn't want that. <laughs> I mean, I would just live stream the whole thing <laughs> from the beginning yeah. to the end. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. Uh, all right. So D&D Live, you're going to talk about that, right? That's, yes. That's, that's a good thing. Tell me everything. So I've done this by myself for like the last three I'm sessions. Sorry. So now I'm excited to have to tell, talk to a person and yeah. do it. So it's May 17th, 18th, and 19th. We have uh, tons of stuff planned. Yes. Friday at 4 p.m., we're going to unveil the new D&D storyline. We'll have conversations. I'll be with, there by then. You'll be there. You'll be in the audience probably cheering on. I need uh, as much clapping as possible. Are you going to be on stage? I will not be on stage, but uh, Anna Prosser uh, will be hosting the awesome. event. Talking to uh, Chris Perkins, Jeremy Crawford, Kate Welch, Mike Morals, all of our, our fun talkers. Uh, there's uh, Jim Zub might be there as well. Uh, oh, the best. And we're going to talk through a whole bunch of amazing things. Uh, and then at 6 p.m., they're going to burp <laughs> on, on mic. Uh, but then have... Uh, I want to be there for that, too. A D&D live session on that same stage with uh, some of the most amazing entertainers that we've ever put together. Are you telling us who or not yet? Not, not yet, okay. but they're, they're awesome. They're on, some of them are on the guest page. You know, you might have seen them at, uh, on, on, at previous events. You're uh, going to keep it a secret until then? No, no, we will, we'll, we'll do it. But okay. I just want to make sure everything is confirmed just and, and everything like that. But one thing I can say is that Marisha Ray will be Dungeon Mastering live on that stage what? on Saturday. She- she DM. She She has a dungeon master. Yes, exactly. So she's uh, from Critical Role. Yeah. She's been there from the beginning, an amazing uh, performer, uh, as well as uh, creative director down there at Critical Role. So uh, she will be dungeon mastering. Matt Mercer will be there playing a character that you don't know. That is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I'm not going to spoil that. But, but did you mention it today by chance? I said it today in that's the office. That's really, that's what, okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Think about that. Yes, I am. I know, right? <laughs> Mind's blown. Okay. Um, Joe Manganello is going to be performing on some of those. Uh, Deborah Ann Wall. We're actually going to be t- hopefully talking to Deborah Ann Wall here I on know, Dragon Talk. I saw that. Uh, in early May. So look look for that. And she'll be talking about uh, her shtick on uh, relics and rarities as well as uh, coming to this event, which I'm super psyched about. Yeah. Um, also for c- Critical Role, Talison Jaffe is going to be there. Um, uh, Christina Ariel is going to be uh, uh, know, on that. Stage. I just want you to be prepared. Yeah, the drag, uh, you know, uh, Dice you know, Action Crew. You, is let's go be back on that to main Christina stage. for a minute. Sure. Do you know that? Like, we've never actually met in real life. You've only had this like, but uh, we're like social media. She's kind of my love favorite. affair. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. awesome. And Dragon Talk love affair. Yeah, and so, you get to to meet her her baby, her, her baby, her baby. I can't wait. That's going to be very so, exciting. Anyway, just be prepared for yeah. that union. As far as I know, and I, and I don't, this might be the first time we'll be having a live performer who is uh, is, is carrying, uh, which is going to be very exciting. I didn't even think about that until just now. It's like a two. So we, it, it's it's perfect for you and Ryan and your wife. See, you'll have all stages. Well, maybe of she'll life. let us live stream from her <laughs> hospital room. <laughs> this is the pitch, Christina. See if you can do it. Um, but then, in addition to all that live performancing, from performancing—that's how you say it. Yeah. Um, 
There's going to be uh, Dungeons Dragons play for fans. Uh, a play? Who, no, they will be oh. able to play D and D while they're there. <laughs> I wish <laughs> like, one day. Wait a minute. One day we'll be able to do Dreams a musical. Do come true. Yeah. Um, so people can play Dungeons and Dragons in the theme oh, of cool. the storyline that we're introducing that day on Saturday and Sunday, and uh, we're closing it out on Sunday night with an amazing uh, music rock performance with uh, tons of acts, including Chris Funk from the Decemberist. Awesome. This awesome band called Cardioid is going to be the backing band uh, for a lot of these acts. Uh, Anna Prosser is going to... Uh, sing uh, really? a song. Um, uh, I'm hoping Ben Looms sings something. Uh, and John Darnielle from the Mountain Goats, or the Mountain Goats will be there really? performing. Yeah, and then closing it all out is a band called Magic Sword, and they're like a uh, fantasy fantasy Daft Punk is what someone uh, most recently said, oh, but actually okay. since yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, they're basically like EDM dance, uh, but all kind of fantasy tinged, and it's going to be awesome. Really? And then that's the closeout. Shoot, I, have, I won't be there for that. <laughs> I won't. I gotta go home. You can watch it live from the plane. Get the child. <laughs> yeah. Way to bring it down. Way to bring it down. Bummer. Shutter. Bummer. Can you change that to Saturday? Sure. No problem. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that for you. Thanks. Okay. I appreciate sweet. that. We'll cut all those other things I was just talking about, and we'll just just move them. Just move it around. Yeah. Yeah. So people can buy tickets, though. That's right. Badges are available now. We just opened up fifty more uh, today no uh, while we're live streaming. But uh, when you hear this in podcast form, there will most likely be still some available. Uh, for you to grab, um, they are expensive, but they do are. Is a, you get a lot for that. You get to be able to watch all that live entertainment. I was just telling you for about. all of the days. For uh, yeah, you'll have live entertainment. It's a three day badge, so you get stuff oh, on Friday, it's like a mini Saturday convention. night, Sunday night. You'll be able to play Dungeons and Dragons. There will be tons of vendors there from amazing folks like uh, Death Saves. Uh, Joe's brand will be there. Uh, Beetle and Grimm, Matthew Lillard will be there. Fun. He's going to be performing on the uh, the stages on Friday and Saturday as well. Very cool. Um, and, uh, you know, folks like WizKids uh, are going to be there. Wormwood uh, is going to be there uh, selling That's amazing cool. stuff. For fans, by fans has got uh, oh, great cool. stuff there as well. Um, I know I'm forgetting a ton, but, you know, Ludia, uh, Warriors of Waterdeep will, will be there showing off their uh, mobile game that's coming out very soon. Um, Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms, our friends there, will be rocking and rolling cool. uh, for, for tons of fans. So, And above all of that, uh, oh, yes, Rivals of Waterbeat and Tales from the Mist will also be performing uh, at the mini studios. I didn't even mention that part of it. What? There are these mini studios that are going on uh, in which uh, D&D content will be streamed live on four different channels um, on Saturday and Sunday all day. Four different channels? Yes, that's what? right. Yeah, we'll let you guys all know about that, but it, there will be a way to watch four streams of content happening on Saturday and Sunday during the day. Uh, and that's in addition to the main stage uh, kind of stuff that we've been talking about. That is crazy. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Wow. Ooh, that's a lot. This is a big event, Tito. There's a lot. There's a lot of you moving parts. You keep making them bigger. I know, right? I didn't even get to the cosplay part yet. Because there's going to be like cosplay going on the entire time. But not just cosplay. You'll be able to improvise and act with the performers who are going to be having being specific characters from the Eclipse storyline. They're story coming line. to life. Yes. It's great. They're coming to life. You'll be able to interact with them. If you go and talk to every single one, there's going to be like a kind of a passport type type thing where if you like if you interact with every single one of those pieces of content, you'll get this awesome piece of uh, swag that you can only get if you complete the quest. I'm going to do it. You're going to do I, it. Am I eligible to complete? Of course. The quest? Okay. Yes. Do it up. It's going to be fun. All right. All right. Totally worth it. Whew. And then Ghost of Saltmarsh will come out the Tuesday after that. Oh, right. Which is nuts, though. So you'll be all excited about it, exactly. pumped up for it, and then you can just go play it. And then you can go play. Okay. Great. Great timing. Let's, uh, let's throw it to our fun Lori Should Know segment okay. and uh, take a little break from me telling it. I need more coffee. 
everyone, and welcome to a segment of Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and I am joined by Mr. Chris Perkins. Hi there. And today, in this segment, where we delve into little bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore for your fun and edification, as well as perhaps being useful in your game, uh, we are going to talk about the multiverse and how it is uh, formulated through uh, large, prominent, extraplanar beings, one of which being... The Lady of Pain. Oh, the Lady of Pain. She is uh, very painful. Or, uh, no, or is she? Uh, Does she experience pain? Does she experience pain? Um, That's a good question. I don't know. We've never statted her up for Mm. for reasons, Um, so probably not. What what are those reasons? Why wouldn't you stat her up? Oh, because, uh, A, we like to preserve the enigma that is the Lady of Pain. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, B, we feel like allowing you to simply hack at her with swords and blow her up with spells would uh, demystify her and just turn her into another run-of-the-mill threat, and she is far from that. The Lady of Pain, for those who don't know, is a central figure to the Planescape setting, which is the the uber setting that sort of helps define the entire multiverse of D&D. Right. And she is the... Um, her face is often depicted on Planescape products. It was embedded in the Planescape logo. That's yes. how important she is. Yes. And uh, she's depicted as this emotionless visage with, a, with radiating blades all around her head, wearing a long flowing gown, her feet never touching the ground if she has feet at all. And um, she is bound to Sigil, the city at the center of the multiverse which is shaped like a torus that floats above a spire. And the torus being a, a, a circle. A donut. A donut, yeah. yes. And the city of Sigil is built on the inside rim of that donut. Right. And that's where, she, that's where she dwells. As far as anybody can tell, she never leaves. And uh, she's not always visible or present in the sense that you can see her in Sigil. Mm-hmm. When she shows up, it's usually because she's about to clean house. Something that's gone wrong. Yes, yeah, so she's, she's taking care of business and somebody is probably doomed to end up in the mazes, which is the place where she just blinks away anything that displeases her or, or is potentially damaging to the stability of this metropolitan nexus city. Mm-hmm. And people who go to the mazes do not generally return. Right, right. So she's got a lot of power in that regard. She does. She has so much power in that regard that she can, she just decides, no gods shall enter this city. And so no gods can. They can be worshipped there, Mm -hmm. but they cannot set foot in Sigil. That's some pretty impressive power. So is she a god? No. What what would you define uh, the Lady of Pain as? I would define her as the... Multiverse embodied. Mm. That she is essentially a figment of or a vestige of the, the, all of the elements that make up the multiverse sort of gathered into one force. Mm. Um, because as far as we know, she's been around since the formation of the multiverse and may have to some extent even had a hand in it. And yeah. uh, even though, um, you know... Were the multiverse to be destroyed, it's likely that she might be the last one still left behind. Could she then reimagine the multiverse? Perhaps. That is the yes. case. And is, is, 
it, everything that we experience in in the Dungeons and Dragons multiverse is it all? It's just her dreams. Her dreams. <laughs> yeah. Right. Are we, are this is this the snow globe at the end of yes. uh, uh, our pain is her pain. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 So now that's in, really fascinating yeah, to me. Interestingly enough, um, just from a lore point of view, she was she came to exist along with the Planescape setting during the TSR era, mm-hmm. um, as as uh, TSR's fortunes were getting rocky or whatever. They they started to really crank out a bunch of campaign setting lines. The Planescape being one of the most polished that they'd ever done, mm-hmm. and one of the most expansive. Did I say expensive? I meant expansive. But it's also very expensive. <laughs> there were lots of products. There were lots of products, and they were expensive box sets, yeah. a lot of them. So uh, they, 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 I was about to say crap those out. <laughs> <laughs> they popped those out one you know, after another. You were working there at the time. Uh, well, I was working for them as a, as a freelancer. Yeah. And writing Planescape Adventures for the magazines. And uh, So were you involved in... in- also the creation of this multiverse idea uh, or contributed to... Well, the multiverse idea has existed forever. I mean, mm-hmm. the multiverse has been around since first edition. Mm-hmm. The idea that, that the Lady of Pain is some prominent figure in the multiverse only emerged in the development of the Planescape setting, and that was uh, mostly contrived by Dave Cook and other people who worked on the main Planescape box that yeah. sort of drove the whole line, uh, which I was not privy to. But um, I am somewhat aware that the Lady of Pain is based on a real-world person. Oh, that being Lorraine Williams. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. That's so, interesting. For those who don't know, Lorraine was the owner of TSR in the, in the final days, final years of its existence. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and, and the mazes was uh, an aphorism for um, uh, the TSR office. I, wow. Which, okay. Which I was, didn't know any Which of was at Sheridan Springs. And if you were familiar with the layout, it was very maze-like. You didn't know where – if you were – if you weren't accustomed to the building, it was very easy to get lost. I see. Uh, funnily enough, when uh, uh, – in our, in our interview portion of this uh, episode, uh, a lot of these threads will continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, prominent listeners might be able to connect some dots here. Mm. Or, yes. or, or attentive listeners, rather. So, but uh, because she is this ambiguous force that you can't really fight and you can't really confront without just being zapped away, um, she holds a sort of a special, unique place in that regard. And uh, you could easily argue that she is more like a greater god insofar as um, her power. Mm-hmm. But she's not really worshipped. Right. Uh, so she doesn't have a following. Her strength and power is not based on the strength of her worshippers or followers. When gods lose their followers, they die off and they become husks that float adrift in the astral sea, in the astral plane. That doesn't, that won't happen with her. So she's, there are distinct differences that tell us she's not a god. Yeah. Just some sort of omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent entity. And what's the relationship between her and, say, uh, Ao in the the, the Faerun uh, stories as well as as Modius? she doesn't she doesn't really interact with the gods at all. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't talk to them. She doesn't deal with them. The fact that she just hedges them out of her city Im- suggests that she doesn't even want them influencing her. So there's as far as as far as we can tell, based on what's written about her, she has no real direct contact with any of the gods, nor does she want to. Mm. 
but there are other over gods, I guess, in, in other right, settings. Yes. But those aren't; those are just uh, in the hierarchy. Those yeah. are just other gods. Yeah, they gods exist throughout the the outer planes and in the astral plane and in other places, and they carve out their own dominions. And over gods have other gods under them. They're basically the leaders of entire pantheons of gods. Mm-hmm. And Ao is one, and you could argue Zeus is another. Um, and Asmodeus might even be you know uh, well maybe not an over god but well he 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 is he is a god who sort of commands a plane and a number of followers and dukes and archdukes and things like that who aren't really gods themselves but he doesn't have other gods under him mm-hmm. really not that we know of but maybe he does maybe he does we just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the the idea of worshippers, gods, is so anathema to a being like the Lady of Pain, whose fundamental purpose it seems is just to kind of keep Sigil where it is, and as the hub of the great wheel, keep the wheel a turning. What? Uh, yeah. So so that purpose is just. Preservation, right? Make, making sure that this yeah. this conception of reality exists. Correct. So uh, it, it, it's say the the demons mm-hmm. uh, uh, from from their plane who want to, you know, destroy all existence to a certain extent. Would they be uh, in opposition to the Lady of Pain, or does she even her her? It's unclear that she has any influence or perception beyond Sigil itself. Mm. Uh, that. Uh, she's even aware if demons and devils are fighting off on some far-flung plane. She might get a trembling, you know, when you when your wheel gets a little wobbly or uh, the tire gets a little low. Yeah. Uh, you, you can feel it. She, she might be able to sense on some level that there's a disruption happening in the multiverse, but she's not necessarily of a mind to pinpoint it, and it's possible she might not be able to do anything about it unless it tries to come to her. Uh, but if, let's say, let's say the blood war did end, and, you know, de- demons ended up rampaging through the multiverse. It's possible then that were the multiverse to end, she might be able to, you know, put it back together again. Hmm. And she might be the only being who could. Possibly. Um, yeah, that's really... So part of it, it we, uh, there's a lot of open questions with her because the more you know about the Lady of Pain, the less interesting she is. And um, uh, so great effort has been... Eff- as has gone over the years to maintaining that sense of mystery. What are her true powers? What are the boundaries of her powers? We never define them. Mm. Uh, part of that is liberating. So if you're running a campaign with her based in Sigil, you could do whatever you want and not feel like you were bound by any sort of canonical constrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also helps, uh, it also means that you can uh, take some liberties and add story elements of your own and say, well, she's actually, you know, the the product of multiple gods or she's a god who basically descended upon uh, set atop the spire this this city uh, for some greater purpose that has yet to be revealed and maybe mm-hmm. after you know another 60 turnings of the great wheel or some other event another modron march who knows uh, will will signal her to enact some plan that she's been basically Right. So it also means like her actions could be very inscrutable for absolutely for, for low and level inscrutability people. is part of her her oeuvre. The fact that you can't even read her facial expression because it's just sort of a frozen, right. emotionless state uh, heightens that inscrutability. So when you when you use her in your campaign, if you do, yeah. 
it's it's important to kind of keep those tenets right. true. Yeah. Uh, and you, you you have used her in, in dice camera action, have you not? Uh, teased a little yeah. bit. Yeah, absolutely. Her her face has manifested a few times, uh, in in such a way that you're not sure if it's really her or if it's just yeah. some trippy mushroom induced <laughs> fever dream of one of the characters. So that that's interesting because it almost uh, feels to me like. Our, our our conception of what the lady in pain is 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 very similar to our own human existence, not knowing what is what is beyond this life. Right. Yes. And part of it too is uh, Planescape is very much built upon the idea that the universe is made up of philosophies, mm. and you can't say for sure that any one philosophy is wrong because there's no way to prove a philosophical belief necessarily because once it once you've proven it, it's no longer philosophy it's it's fact it's fact right yeah. um but uh so because the multiverse is made up of philosophies and the idea that if you believe in something strong enough you can actually influence the multiverse and bend it toward your philosophy in some metaphysical way uh the lady of pain it emblemizes that mm. this belief that uh that Change is uh, and cycles are all part of existence, and um, that uh, we don't we don't know what her philosophy is. But the fact that she allows the factions to operate in her city more than they operate than anywhere else in the multiverse suggests that she is sensitive to philosophy. Um, or that she likes it or wants it or wants it around her. And not just one philosophy. She wants the debate. She wants, she wants the, the debate. She wants all of them. She wants to see how that's going to shake down. Mm. She wants to see people challenge each other in a forum. If you think of Sigil like a forum where there's all these sort of competing interests and beliefs, the fact that she's letting that happen says something about the nature of her yeah. and the nature of the multiverse. Now, why is she called a lady of pain? What, what, is, what, it about, what is it about pain that is emblematic to her? That's a good question. We don't know. And it's not even clear that that's what she calls herself. Right, because she doesn't speak. Right. She doesn't speak. She has never told... We don't know if she has a true name. We don't know uh, what her name is. It's because she doesn't speak. She's never told anybody. So the name is almost certainly not given... It was given to her, not something that she would have inherited. Right. Um, uh, so what that means is... It was probably given to her, given to her because of the awe, the danger that she represents. Physically, she looks very imposing, mm-hmm. scary. The blades suggest pain, yeah. but she can also do things to to you. Um, if she wants to turn you inside out, there's nothing. There's nothing you can do to stop her from doing that. And Does she do that often? Not often. Not often. Well, what uh, what and uh, what, but, what what type of actions that people would do in Sigil would 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 warrant that reaction from her? What, what does she question. not like? Uh, she doesn't like it when um, people try to uh, fundamentally change the the ebb and flow of things in the city. Mm. So, if you're trying to wipe out an entire faction because you don't like their philosophy, you might run into her at some point. Uh, and that would be bad for you. Right. Then you would get turned into Yes. Yeah. If somebody enters the city and they shouldn't be there, a 
a god in disguise, for instance, mm. she might try to show up and scare the god away. If uh, somebody brings some sort of magic item of mass destruction in the city, mm. that could be that could raise her hackles a little bit. And then, then there are just unknown reasons. There will be somebody in the city sitting at a bar. Suddenly the doors will blow open. She'll drift in and wink them out of existence. And you'll be like, what did he do? And everybody will be like, I don't know. He seemed like a pretty nice guy. <laughs> and out she goes. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the mystique. But it's probably because she knew something that, he, that the character was either going to do or had done. Mm. Um, time being something that probably doesn't concern her. It could be, you know, anything. That creature was going to meet another creature and they were going to have a little baby creature and that baby creature was going to eventually destroy the multiverse. Well, not anymore. Wow. Um, you know, things like that. And it it's, goes back to being inscrutable. Yeah. We don't really know why. She just knows why. We don't know, uh, we don't know what the mazes are exactly because nobody who's gone there has ever come back. It's sort of a metaphor for death in a way. Right, um, in, in, a, in a world where, more where resurrection is, is right, is but much very... more permanent than death. It's scarier because you can bring a dead character back. You can't bring back a character who's in yeah. the mazes. And what, what's really interesting about, and as, as we're delving into this, how much of Dungeons and Dragons bends the rules of of our reality, which mm -hmm. is yeah, right. You know, there's no death. You can come back. Magic is not you know real. Gods yeah. can walk among us. Much of what is interesting about the Planescape setting in the Lady of Pain is that it's very similar to we as humans, our existence here on Earth. Right, yeah. And that's how philosophy is borne out. It's, right. it's us coming to grips with the idea that we can't possibly know everything, so we have to just sort of put, based on what we can perceive and what has happened before, put together some idea of why we're here and what we're all about. Which is kind of interesting when you're like, oh, I want to play an escapist game of, of, of swords <laughs> and sorcery. We're like, oh, my oh. God, I'm in this deep philosophical <laughs> nightmare city. <laughs> can we just, can we just like, kill some right. dwarves and elves and yeah. get back to the, throwing some magic rings and fires? Getting loot. And <laughs> now we're talking about, you know. Yeah. So basically philosophy majors love Planescape. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, the Lady of Pain has been a... a a, a very much beloved character in the milieu, and uh, and and part of the reason is is a she just has a cool look. Yeah, that helps. Right, um, and uh, it's neat. It's neat. It, I think it is. We'll be playing. Uh, uh, I I I want more people to start using her in their games, even yeah. even beyond Sigil. Right, you know, because yeah. so it's so fascinating. It is, and you kind of have carte blanche. Yeah, yeah. awesome. All right, well, thanks. If anybody has any more questions about the inscrutable nature, which you'll probably just be like, I don't know. Uh, but how can they get in touch with you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. Excellent. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. We'll be back with some more fun lore coming up. Super stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that was the funniest uh, lore you should know ever. That was a really good one. I, I feel like I learned a lot about uh, Chris's sense of humor. Yep. Yeah, he's very funny. Funz. Funzos. He's a funzo. He's in the fun zone. We are uh, excited to talk to some people live and in person. Yes. Yes, I can't wait. We actually have to go down and pick them up, I think. We should go oh. stride down uh, I wish the escalators. We could, we could bring our cameras. 
Oh, wouldn't us. that be great? Come along. Let's, yes. do, let's do a walk and talk yes. like we're in Aaron Sorkin. Remember like, when like David Letterman used to leave the studio? Oh, my God. Those go are the best the bits. I know. I know, right? Why are we not mobile? This is like the second David Letterman <laughs> reference I've had today. Really? Well, yeah. I was talking about uh, uh, the programming for the Indie Live, and I was like, okay. It's kind of like David Letterman and Paul Schaefer. Oh. And then someone was like, I'll be your Paul Shaver. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Let's do it. Aren't I your Paul Shaver? Well, not, it wasn't me. It was other performers that I was talking to. Oh. I do hit, do other work that doesn't involve you, Shelley. You do? No, not really. Most of it is just. Well, this isn't work. <laughs> this is fun. This is caffeinated fun enjoyment. Yeah. Uh, so let's get uh, Steve Winter and Wolfgang Bauer, friend of the show, yes. five-timer club, uh, in here, and uh, we'll talk all about their, uh, well, what's going on with Cobalt Press and their work on Ghost of Saltmarsh. All right, we got to go find him a present real quick. Quick. Yeah. I know. I, I, I put that on, on, on Pelham. I'm like, I think he has everything Pelham, we've can always can you make had. him a jacket? Quick. We need, we need a stat. Do you, need, can you, do you have a loom? <laughs> <laughs> can you get some darning happening? <laughs> Darn. All right, we're going to pause for some darning. <laughs> Hello, we are back here in the studio with Wolfgang Bauer and Steve Hello. Winter. Hello. Hello. Hey, good to be here. Welcome to Sunny Renton. Uh, <laughs> I miss the Where sunny. The sun <laughs> well, let's just call it Renton then. It's yes. Greg's personality. That's, yes. that's it. That's sunny part. Yeah. And his shirt. Uh, He's a we cheerful are, fellow. We are right uh, and here. So, uh, Wolfgang, welcome back. Hey, it's good to be back. I think this is your fifth time. It is. Where's my jacket? I got it right here. Oh, <laughs> hey, five-timers no club. Five-timers oh club God, jacket. It really is a five-timers club jacket. I know. You guys, oh that is awesome. Oh, my God. I Pelham, was kidding, and you were serious. Helen went and darned it uh, in the break. Helen, oh. well done. <laughs> well darned. Got his loom out. It's so awesome. <laughs> he got the spinnerets of his spider that he's there been milking for weeks. There is nothing he Spider silk, man, that is even cooler. Yep, uh, fresh no from problem. the underdark. It's, uh, it's always great to talk oh, to it's you. It's a pleasure to be here every we, single time. We saw you at GaryCon. That was very nice. Yeah. To be, yes. to be like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, I know those people. Yeah. yeah. That was a good Working show. Working hard. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually. Yeah. There was a lot of work. Uh, it was a busy show. It keeps getting bigger and bigger. Something about, you know, the town where it all started and mm-hmm. Gary's family and uh, just such a great event. So. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And then welcome, Steve. Thank uh, you. You're in the first timers club. <laughs> uh, yeah, you get I guess. a mug. If I've, if I've been here before, I don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Nice, but uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, you are both here because you worked on uh, uh, the Ghost of Saltmarsh oh product. God, you ambushed me with this. It's right here yeah, in the studio. Is, they haven't seen it until yeah. the this last very moment. time we saw it. I got, the, I got yeah. the snazzy cover. One. Steve the snazzy one. cover. The fancy one. It's shiny. It looks amazing. It's smudge proof or scuff proof. Scuff proof. How much of this can we show to the cameras? Uh, you can spoil anything because you. Really? Well, I mean, really? Yeah, yeah why not? All right. Well, I know Shelly got real nervous when she showed it, but why not? The just... title page, I think, has already been spoiled oh. online. It's the cutest thing ever, it right? It's the yeah. cutest thing. Oh, my God. Straight out of the Seattle Aquarium. Is that <laughs> <laughs> a lot of research trips down to I the Seattle Aquarium? Just to hang out with them. Oh. All Please the tell otters. me these aren't, they're not bad guys, are they? Yeah, they'll eat your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? No, <laughs> Rabbit otter? No. Also, yes. otters will just eat your face, too. But, but they look cute so doing it, and that's all yes. that matters. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a real book now, and ghosts. that's... And it's crazy, I know. I wish we had captured the moment when we handed those to you for the first time. If I did. Because that was pretty amazing. I wasn't expecting it. I'm like, eh, I'm probably still in a warehouse, on a truck, who knows where it is. Yeah. 
Uh, here it is. These yeah. were handed to me about an hour before we went online here. So Timely. it's new for us, too. I know. Yeah, we just got them. Conjured. I don't even know if this has already air. been spoiled, but man, this this chapter one opening art. Oh, good artwork. Awesome art. Yeah. And I think that has been spoiled because people were like, uh, I love that, that party yeah. makeup and how it was just. Yes. Who it feels, wrote it feels the real. Art order for I that. wrote that art order. Thank you very much <laughs> wow. for it. Good art order. Well, it yeah. was an even, it was a better art order, but way complicated the first time I wrote it. Mm. I said, dear art director, I would like these heroes to appear in scenes throughout the book. The same characters done in the same style over and over again so we know it's the same party of adventurers. And they said, that's a neat idea, but you realize we're working with like 12 different artists. Oh, yeah. And they said, so it... That is a neat idea, though. Yeah, but it's not really practical. So they said, but we're going to do it at the front of the book. And it turned out really well. It feels to me like that, I don't know, Steve, you can tell me if I'm totally wrong, but that, that, you know, into the unknown, early... It feels first level to me, is what I'm saying here. Yeah, yeah, well, that's a good it, point. It does. Of course, if you've ever run that scene in D&D, you know that they're going to murder this town guard <laughs> in, in about 30 no, seconds. No, they're all lawful good characters. Yeah. They would never do anything like that. No murder hoboing around here. And that donkey is really the yeah. druid. I yes, was going to ask right. about the, the donkey. The druid has wild-shaped. <laughs> <laughs> they make him carry Spoiler. all their gear. Because it's an awakened donkey. can wild-shape into a donkey. Yeah. Um, so uh, while it would be great radio to have you guys just walk through each and page. And we would be willing to. <laughs> <laughs> and comment on it. Uh, you know, folks uh, know Wolfgang. You've definitely been here a few times. Oh, yeah. What's, what, 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 what is your uh, involvement in, in getting Ghost of Salt Marsh happen? And then we'll move on to, to Steve. And, and well, um, I, my involvement started with Mike Merle saying, so you Cobalt Press people have <laughs> written a few adventures. And I said, yeah. He said, how interested are you in, say, the U series? And I said, sign me up. Um, done and done. Done and done. That's how Merle's does business. Yep. Right. He's like, oh, you got me in my weak spot. On a scale uh, of one to ten. <laughs> I'm how in for 12. Yes. And, and I said, well, I, I, you know, we want to bring it to fifth edition. We're going to need a couple of people. Um, I wrote, like, chapter one about the town. I did, drew some of the maps. I did some art orders. I did a bunch of development on this. Um, but mostly I worked with Steve and with John Sawatsky, who is not here with us today. But um, with us in spirit and in, in, spirit. in his, uh, his work in the book. Uh, yeah, he did a lot of the U-series work, he and I. So, uh, But he, uh, he's amazing. He did a series for Cobalt Press called Prepared. And so when I thought of who would be prepared to convert ah. this, he has personal branding like you would not believe. That's a good branding moment. That really That's why is. I call myself, you know, Greg, totally unprepared Tito. I should probably change that up. nobody asks you to do yeah. anything. Off the cuff Tito. Kind of a good doesn't I know, right? Get you in the door the way you want it to. <laughs> yeah, right. I improvise through life. Wait a second. That's a cheerful way to be. Uh, so, uh, so Steve, what, uh, I mean, you know, obviously we want to talk about your, your work on, on this product, but, um, you know, you, you've got a long history with, with Dungeons & Dragons and role-playing games. Uh, well, yeah, actually, uh, one of the very first things I ever worked on at TSR was Secrets of Saltmarsh. What? Oh, <laughs> yeah. no so way. You're the perfect person yeah, for this. Yeah, yeah. Although, uh, I uh, <laughs> you'll notice my name was actually removed from the credits from the original uh, adventure because I had a big fight with Don Turnbull. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> what? Wow! Over, uh, certain issues. This is going to be the uh, best interview adventure. ever. So yeah, what, now let's talk fight. about it. Let's what talk happened? About the fight. Well, it was all it amounted to. <laughs> fight. 
<laughs> yeah, no, you're like, this is, this is the... Uh, um, Brits versus Americans. Yeah, yeah, right? The Housewives-type content yeah, that yeah, Shelly's yeah. been waiting the for. Yeah, there you go, there you go. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how far into the weeds of it you want to go. But Let's do it. When did yeah, he hit yeah, you with did. a mug? Yeah. We don't have John Turnbull because, on, so you I mean, can say whatever was, you want. The adventure was written in England, right, by, yes. the, by the British office. And, oh, goodness, was it ever. And then they gave it to painfully me Painfully British. They put a bunch of U's in there. Is that why it's called the U's Exactly, yes. So when I was going through it, I was taking out all the British spellings and making them American spellings. And uh, sorry to the because people out there, no one way. had told me not to do that, right? And that was what we did. Right. Um, and then at some point, the uh, I had gone down to the pre-press area, and remember, this was at a time when everything was, you know, uh, typesetting machines spit out sheets of of copy, and they were pasted down by hand. Mm. And I went, and we were in third galleys that had already been proofread a couple times. And I went down to pre-press, and there was Don Turnbull making corrections on final pasted up galleys. He was going through and basically putting all those U's back into no. all words. Yes. And because I'm, that's exactly the moment you want to make extensive <laughs> changes to well, the exactly. But none of the was, other books were had the British, British spelling. spelling. So just, I mean, for consistency. Right, right. Like, well, so like. I... Uh, I said some things. <laughs> and Don what did you say? I want to say well, I, you, yeah. you are a you user. I told Don he could not be making changes like that at that stage of production. And mm-hmm. he you know, uh, brought in some other people's names and you know, the, all of his high-powered friends. Oh, dear. And, the queen uh, was mentioned. <laughs> the yeah. queen. I know yeah. the, oh, the, well, the royals. Was, this was before the time of the queen. This was oh. when the king was still in charge of everything. Oh, my goodness. And, oh my God. Uh, Wait, what? No. The queen of England? No, I think we're, he's talking about oh. a different king and queen. Oh. Right. Oh. Oh. I, I the was king thinking, and queen of TSR oh. rather than the I know who those people are. All right, yeah. Others will have to look. I've seen the crown. I think she was in power then. I immediately went to Tiamat, but... No. Not long. All Not hail. The, the long story it. short, Don got his way because Don knew the king. Ah. And, uh, oh, but Don didn't get his way because in the new edition, I took them all out. <laughs> and you're back in the credits. Yes. And, and you're in the credits. But the, the, the coda to the story was uh, my good friend Steve Sullivan, who worked in the art department, made – he drew a little pair of pixie wings on uh, parchment, like translucent parchment, and he come up and he, he – he, uh, pinned them to the wall uh, in my office over my desk with a little sign that said "Pixie Wings to be used when dusting British manuscripts." <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. That is some fantasy a, shade. Right? Yeah, <laughs> fantasy tea. Yeah, so that, those, that, those hung on my wall for years. That's fantasy tea <laughs> <laughs> and British too. Yeah, that that sounds like a flip table. I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty close. Taking out oh. somebody's name in the credits is the equivalent of a flip table. Yeah, and calling gotcha. someone was, a prostitution who was. pleased. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, again, we, there's finally justice in the world because your name is yeah. right yeah. over this. Restored. Restored. Yeah. Rightful place. So how long had you been at TSR when this project uh, uh, was going on? A few months, I think. Oh, wow. So this wow. was kind of like your the first. new guy. Yeah. Big, big it wasn't deal. my first project, but it was one of the first. How did you get involved with uh, with DSR, and, and were you a, a player before that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd been playing D&D for quite a few years, and I was working on a newspaper in uh, Peoria, Illinois. Peoria! Um, yeah. And I went into the hobby shop and picked up a copy of Dragon Magazine, and there was an ad that said TSR was looking for editors. And I said, 
that sounds hey. like a lot of fun. <laughs> so it's a really pretty mundane story. I saw help wanted at and I answered it and I got the job. Do so they funny. give you lots of tests, editing tests? Uh, Blood tests? Yeah, yeah. I had to, in fact, they, so they sent me home with a, an editing test and it wasn't that long and I completely chopped it apart. Um, I just, I edited the crap out of that thing and I sent it back and my note was, I did the best I could. If I was the editor on this project, my advice would be send this back to the author for a complete rewrite. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and then when they hired me, the first thing they did was give me that manuscript to edit. And, oh, uh, like it wasn't even a test. It no, was like, it wasn't. No, we just, we're like, just going to interview a bunch <laughs> of editors. <laughs> we too much to get this manuscript uh, right. done. Uh, no, that became, that became uh, the secret of Bone Hill. So. Wow, oh that's pretty cool. So you didn't send it back for a rewrite? I did not get to send it back to the author for a rewrite. They told me just fix it. Just make it Do you remember when you were my editor for a spell? Do you remember mm-hmm. you edited the, the confessions Yeah, yeah you did your, yeah, your columns. Did you ever want to tell me to rewrite no, the No, no, Shelly. Those were, I, that was the easiest work I ever had. Wow. Because he didn't actually read them. Is, is, <laughs> is, the, is, the, is the $100 bill getting slid over on the table? <laughs> he reread your columns multiple times just to trip lightly over the prose that's once right, more. That's right. right. When I was struggling with something else, I would oh, pull I'm up read this one fluff. of those confessions uh, columns. Let's listen to her talk read about that. her dog. Devil dog story. Yeah. Devil dog. So, uh, uh, so uh, talk a little bit about your um, uh, playing because I know that's always kind of re- fascinating to me. What it was like to, to before you even were working on it. Uh, Getting some of those older manuscripts and then figuring out how to play. What was that like? In uh, were you in Peoria, Illinois, when that was going on? Uh, I got uh, no, I, but I was introduced. I discovered D and D when I was at, going to college in uh, Ames, Iowa. Okay, uh, uh, hot Iowa of early yeah, RPGs. Yes, Iowa State University, <laughs> and I was. Uh, Again, I was working on the school paper, and I was proofreading classified ads. And one of the ads was for the Iowa State Gamers, and it said, you know, we. You know, we get together on Saturday afternoons. We play all these games, and I was a war gamer at that time. I had oh, never okay. even heard of role playing games, but I thought, well, I can go find you know people to play war games with. And then I showed up, and of course, no one was playing war games. Everyone was sitting around playing this thing called D anD D that I had never heard of. So, nice. Uh, what was, was your fun. first character? Do you remember? Uh, my the first thing I ever played was not D anD D. It was Gamma World. Oh, cool. Okay. And uh, yeah, I do remember that character very well. I played a six armed mutant. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yep. That sounds like Gamma World. Yeah, exactly. First thing he ever found was a big chest full of lightsabers, and then the second thing he (laughs) found was an ancient war bot that blew him to pieces. Oh! (laughs) Nice. Uh, Yeah, he lived about about 30 minutes. So I feel like that... (laughs) (laughs) But there's like like General Grievous uh, uh, threads in in that character there. Man, they're hardcore names, Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) They kill you right out. Kill the new guy. See if he'll come back. So how did you two meet? How did you meet Steve? Uh, TSR, I believe. I was working on Mm -hmm. the magazines, and Steve was working in the the design department. I forget what your title was at that time. You were... When was that? 80-something? No, I didn't get there until 91. In 91, that was the year I spent sequestered in a room with Jim Ward working on special projects. Oh, what special uh, project? What were the special project? Um, you well, can, you we can spoil it now. It, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At this point, it's yeah. probably we not NDA would any longer. No, no. But we were supposed to just generate ideas, and uh. 
I thought we came up with some brilliant ideas and the only one that ever made it into production was, of course, the one that the executives brought to us and said, do this. And that was Spellfire. Sounds so. like just an excuse to keep you guys yeah, right. locked we in were, a room. Right. <laughs> <laughs> guys, they weren't going to use any of People will get angry if we fire them, but we, we don't want them touching anything anymore. So. <laughs> or any of those ideas, like, do you remember them? Anything that would hold up today? Bring it back. <laughs> Shelly wants to sequester wings. you in another room, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I – what were some of them? Um, it seems like there was a – there were some dice games in there. Jim had a great idea for a game that would be played using baseball cards. Wow. Right? So oh. you didn't – we didn't have to produce any cards. Whatever baseball cards you had, you, you could play this rules. cool little baseball game. I did um, that when I was a kid. I kind of made like a little – Little game. I think I even used polyhedral dice for it because I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, single, mm-hmm. double, strikeout, whatever the dice rolled." That I would, and then I would move them around the bases based on that. It was something something similar? Yeah, yeah, very much like that. Huh? Um, and of course, the Shoot. idea it was around was. the same time. I think ninety <laughs> one. I think they they might have stolen your they idea. Stole, <laughs> wait, did we right. have a mind connection <laughs> that I didn't know about? Am I Steve Please, Winter? We right. yeah, I, we got this memo about you know keep an eye on this Greg Tito. <laughs> yeah. We think there's tap some real genius here, and we want to we don't want to pay for it, but we want to tap into <laughs> nice. it. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except unfortunately, we never published the game. So. <laughs> the idea was to license it to somebody like Tops or something. Yeah, like that. right. Which makes total sense because I mean. Baseball cards was like the hugest thing in the yeah. world back then. Yeah. I remember oh, everyone yeah. being like, keep all of your baseball cards. They're going to be worth something. And then who retire knew? on those. Yeah, right? It was like comic books too. Yeah. Like that, was, that was the big story. But who knew that it was going to be magic cards would be the actual thing <laughs> that would be worthwhile 20 years later. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Uh, so, yeah. So, what, so you came in around 91. Yeah. And then and, you would know, you guys ever work together or – no, did we work on Al Kadim or one of the? Well, I was the product manager on yeah. Al Kadim, so, um, so yeah, we had overlap. There. I was writing stuff for your group. I was yep. freelancing my Al Kadim because I was doing periodicals during the day, and then mm-hmm. writing uh, Assassin Mountain and those sorts of things at night. Yep. Yeah. Man, what was that I'm like? Working. Yeah. And this was at the office in in Lake, in Lake Geneva, Geneva right, yeah, right? which we just were all at, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You were there too, weren't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Don't want to miss Gary Con. No, right? It is that reunion thing. It really yeah. is. Yeah. It what's was good it, to be back for what's sure. What's it like going back? Does it, does it fill you with good memories? Is it like a <laughs> high school reunion where you realize, oh, well, I didn't like you then and I don't like you now? Table flip. <laughs> I see where you're going with this. <laughs> fight, right, fight. We're going to get a table flip in here before we're this get is one. over. <laughs> one way or another. I think so. I think that's, the, that's like the five timers yeah. club. Oh, table all right. <laughs> well, if I get a free pass on the table, <laughs> we'll do a food fight. It'll be great. Yes. yes. I mean, it's fun to go back and see everybody, but it's also really weird. Like, I don't recognize parts of Lake Geneva anymore because mm. yeah. um, there's like Walmart and things that weren't there at the time. I, I get lost a little. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the, you know, the the location where the convention is, the, the Grand Geneva, yeah. um, used to be way outside of town and now it's like oh, the, interesting. the town comes right up to the edge of yeah. Grand Geneva. So I, like was, that. I did I thought I was in the wrong place when I first got there. <laughs> is the actual office is still there, right? It's still a building. It's still there. It's still a building. I, I, I drove past empty, it. Though, is it where it? the the chocolate the, or the candy shop is now on the bottom floor? I saw Oh no, that's the even older. That's, okay. Yeah, that's the old that's the old the, Hotel Claire downtown. Okay. That's where the Dungeon yeah. Hobby Shop was and yeah, like yeah, Dragon yeah. Magazine right. for a while um, before my time. 
Uh, I'm thinking of the Sheridan Springs Road thing, which is like a, a warehouse and a one-story, two-story office building. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I th- but I think that may be – the last time I looked at it, it was empty, and I think it might still be, or at least part of it was empty. Well, I admit I cruised past it, and there were people parked in front of it, so, oh, so I don't know. Well, good. Maybe they Maybe uh, they've found something. Rented it out. In. But yeah. all the stuff we remember is, you know, long gone oh, from yeah. there, so – yeah, um, I'm waiting for the day they put up a Gygax memorial statue or a little more of that, but I understand that that's fraught. <laughs> so there's some things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll flip some tables about that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, it's awesome to have you guys. Uh, you know, here. What was about uh, going back to the the Ghost of Saltmarsh stuff and re, you know revitalizing the U series, bringing it up to fifth edition. How, you know, talk a little bit about that process and and how it worked. Sure. Uh, I can talk about the early days of that process. Originally, it was, well, we want to do Salt Marsh and some other stuff. And having worked on Dungeon Magazine, I said, well, how about we cherry pick from, you know, the archives of Dungeon Magazine? Mm-hmm. Um, and pick That was the, your idea? No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was Mr. Merle's. Because okay. um, one of his adventures is in there. Yeah. What a coincidence. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a good adventure, and it was short. So, yeah. like, Mike, do you, you know. You want to just do it? You know, just yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in Dungeon. And it was the thing I worked on first. So, like, yeah, let's pick a few of those, like Isle of the Abbey or Tamaro's Fates or the Styes. Um, at least two of those I think you worked on. Converting to 5e. Uh, I'm not sure the, which ones you did. I did the styes and what was the other one? Oh, was it the was it Mike's piece? Yeah. Yeah, salvage job. Salvage job. Yeah. Um so we said because because Salt Marsh is a nice series, but it would be nice to have I mean, if you go back to those original modules, they're like twenty four pages, mm. right? They're tiny. Yeah. Um and it's like, well, we'd like to do a big hardcover. Um I'm like, well, Things have been published since the 70s, right? And some of them are really good. (laughs) Yeah. So we basically went to the vault and did kind of a yawning portal kind of thing. We said, let's just take the very best and bring it up to speed. Uh, And some of it's from second edition, some of it's from third edition, different writers, uh, Greg Vaughn, Richard Pett. Um, And and so that was the original thought. And then it was, well, what do we do about Saltmarsh, right? And the town. The town which doesn't get much description in the original. So it's like, okay, we're going to need to write a, a larger version of the town. I said, thanks, I'll take that chunk. Um, <laughs> and like, we world a, building, I can yeah, do this. I could do that. And uh, the map, there's a third edition, or 3.5 version of the Saltmarsh map. That was weird. That was stripping paint off. Mm. That's the town of Saltmarsh after it grows up and has, like, industry. It's not a little ratty seaside smuggler village anymore. What, what was that done for? Uh, DMG2 or something. Some not totally salt marsh centric product had this, here's a chunk of, of world building in it, right? Like how to build a city here. We're calling it salt marsh. But it had stuff in it that was like, doesn't belong in the U series, like an orphanage 
and an opera house and things like this. Opera house? You don't think of a smuggler's <laughs> no. town having like, an no. opera Yeah, that's house. clearly a front. Smugglers can have yeah. culture. They can have culture. They <laughs> I mean, have all the money in the world. They can sponsor sure, their favorite. Right. I mean, I, mean I, I could see a theater or, or anything, yeah. but like an opera house seems really specifically a large production. Yeah, okay. So anyway, that the performers were all kidnapped. Oh. <laughs> oh forced. And, and there was illusions. Yep. That's what I've always wanted to it do. It was a workhouse it. program for urchins. <laughs> 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 no, I mean it was it was fine, and it sort of felt like Salt Marsh a hundred years later. Mm-hmm. But um, but I took all that stuff out and made the map, which I guess I shouldn't show because it's radio. Um, uh, but it's great. <laughs> I made it very simple, and and said, you know, here's here's what we we did it as a as a giveaway at uh, at GaryCon. Oh, there was fantastic! A, there was a, uh, a small little uh, mouse pad that had the map from the map of Salt Marsh, Salt Marsh from this. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. So yeah, some of it was world building uh, to bring it up to speed. Some of it was taking all the U's out. Um, uh, you should have given that to. Somebody. That took a long time. I know. Well, copy and I mean, with find and replace. I know. It just yeah. takes ages. It's the no U series. That's right. The no I U had to series. do that by hand. <laughs> yeah. That's why. And then you I had to get put back in by hand. <laughs> Earn the old school cred, and you know, <laughs> us modern kids just copy pasta, search and replace. Um, but no, the really tricky part about revisiting the U series was how much do you change? Yeah, um, and I don't want to say that it was a Don Turnbull level argument, but there were discussions about you know can we uh, revisit this? Can we add whole new sections? Can we um, you know can we drop this character? Um, and in most cases, I think we were pretty conservative. We mm. said let's not change too much. Um, is that is that why is that the reasoning why you don't make those changes because you don't want to take it too far away from the original? Well, this or? is why it was an argument. Like the Wizards team was, don't change too much, keep it true to the original spirit. Okay. And I don't know. I think you and I were on the same page about this. I know John Sawatsky was like, I want to change a few things, right? Like make it better and restructure it and change the prose. I'm like. Mm. It's a fine line. It's hard. Right. Especially when Mm -hmm. it's written in a very British English and it's – I mean people who played this to pieces years ago have very fond memories and they want all the same NPCs to be in there. Yeah. I I mean I've heard from a surprising number of people who say that, you know, those old U modules were their favorite modules of all the early D&D stuff. Because of all that flavor that was in there? Oh, who knows? <laughs> but I think uh, the third of them is kind of a grind and a crawl, but that's fun. Yeah. Right? Like the early ones, they're smugglers. There's stuff going on. I don't know. Um, yeah. The last one is pretty combat intense. So, so what was it about um, these adventures that was like the core tenet? Like what was the thing that you're like, okay, we could, we could change this, but like what, what, was, what was the core of it that you couldn't, you know, that everybody was agreed couldn't be changed? Can't change the maps. Uh, the dungeon maps mm-hmm. stayed the same. Yeah, but more uh, thematically, like what, what, what were those? Thematically, I mean, it was a pretty straight, like, keep the pros the same unless there's a good, good reason to start monkeying with it. So mm. we added things, but we didn't take much away. Oh, all right, that, that makes was sense. kind of the approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't notice where we added stuff, that's great. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember that from 1970. <laughs> well, do you? <laughs> do you really? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so. Well, and a lot of the adding, I, I don't know whether it's true in the adventures you were working on. Um, for me, a lot of the adding was 
especially when you're going back to, uh, you know, a- adventures that were written for a certain, certain for style a, a of certain play. philosophy of D and D. And fifth edition has its own philosophy in terms of how much detail you go into for the DM when you're setting up an encounter, and and so a lot of it was kind of, you know bringing things up to that fifth edition philosophy and saying, all right, you know, we, in the old days, it was okay to leave all that up to the DM, right, to do however he or she wanted. But, Mm -hmm. you know, nowadays we try to be a little more, a little more uh, specific on a lot of these things. Um, Yeah, I mean, there are, it's old enough that there are encounters that are pretty much uh, a room description and some hit points, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, there were some that were very bare bones. Because um, they were skeletons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. The skeletons yeah. were oddly fleshed out. <laughs> oh. Weird. Oh. <laughs> funny, funny. Very fleshy. Uh, but yeah, there, I mean, uh, it's called Ghost of Salmar, so I think a lot of people are assuming there is, there is some, some undead in there, and then the Sahuagin mm-hmm. feature pretty prominently uh, on the covers and the artworks oh, mm-hmm. that we're putting out there, so that's something really I, exciting I, for people to, to it, look into. It's heavy on nautical, but I mean, there's also mucking about in the swamps. Oh, no one likes swamps. No mm-hmm. one likes the swamps. That's always dangerous. Um, and then there's these related adventures, some of which are island adventures or... That um, sounds nice. Yeah, which, you know, easy to sail to. And I want to go on an island adventure. You just did. <laughs> <laughs> peninsula adventure. Uh, same. Peninsula adventure. Oh, well. In Florida. The potions all mm-hmm. come with a little umbrella. Yes. Oh, oh nice. man, I want those potions. Yeah. Sip, 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 sip. We need umbrellas. <laughs> we need umbrellas for our coffees yep. from now on. Uh, So that's very cool. And then the one thing we didn't carry over, I guess I'm going to spoil this. Like, we did, there are monsters in the original U series. Spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. There's monsters? Yes. No, that's not the spoiler. Oh, oh, okay. Go on. Um, (laughs) We we thought about doing some monsters that are specific to swamps in Greyhawk and so on, but... um, but the monster converted stats are pretty much things that appear in the adventures and NPCs that appear, not any of the sort of secondary stuff, which doesn't, some of which was like random encounters in the swamp. And we didn't do those. Because mm. so, it was just been, you know, to well, a page like, count, that type of thing? Yeah. It's like, well, oh, yeah, that was right. good. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm still just. No worries. Uh, so beautiful. Steve, to see this I, I book. think Steve, you worked on. Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. With the the appendix, uh, ships oh, in the yes. sea, was that was that you or was uh, that? well, not in this book. The original of the ships in or of ships in the sea that TSR published in yeah. the late '90s. I was the the uh, product manager on. That. Oh no way. Okay, I didn't realize that there were that that was a product. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, that was that was a, a gray area for for our black hole for my my D and D fandom See, was in that period. Spent six months doing nautical reenactments with Jim Ward in a locker room. <laughs> room. That's locker right. Room. That's right. We flooded the whole room. Everyone underneath you was complaining. Yeah. They're like, ah, there's so much water coming in through the ceiling. <laughs> um, but yeah, what was that like? So and 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 I didn't realize the echo of the appendix name in here is from that product. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was. Uh, 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 Skip Williams, I think, was the main author on the original book, and but it was you know uh, everything you could ever want to know about putting ships in your D and D campaign. Um, it was it was one of the they were called the Leatherette books. Yeah, remember? this was one of the blue covered Leatherette oh, books for okay. DMs. Right, it was one of the last ones we did, as I recall, before uh, everything moved out here. It was like the complete handbook to elves and, and mm-hmm. those, those. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, those, those kind of yep. splat books. Yeah. 
And, I mean, Ghost of Saltmarsh, yes, there are many fine adventures in it, but that section in the back of monsters and ships and ocean rules is super useful for anybody who's yeah. running anything vaguely nautical, right? Um, yeah, that's what I keep going back to as, as one of the coolest selling points of this book is that, like, oh, man, like, you could use this anywhere and people... You know, pirates have been popular in mm-hmm. recent years, uh, mm-hmm. and that whole type of of, of deal. Uh, so, having uh, the ability to to run a campaign in that uh, in that vein, uh, yeah. Well, the Isle of the Abbey adventure in here has some pirates. So, mm. I mean, we're cool. even. Yeah, cool. we're 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 touching that that topic, that theme, and of course, you want to do pirates well and with a, a well tested set of rules. I know this went through the usual process of. Unearthed Arcana, massive feedback from fans. For sure. Um, yeah, right. That was that appendix was up, I think, in December uh, yeah. of, of 2018 to, for people to get feedback on. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't had a chance to look through this appendix. At I know. It's all changed. All of your work has changed. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> the user back. The <laughs> user back. <laughs> they put all the use back in. <laughs> no. <laughs> table flip. My <laughs> legacy destroyed. How, Is this have, stuff all new? The <laughs> boats? Uh, looks new. Okay. Uh, have either of you run uh, seafaring campaigns that was all about going from island to island? Spelljammer count? Yeah, it totally does. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I played in a Spelljammer campaign in, in grad school. I had a blast. I, I didn't mean to. I went in. It was an accident. It was an accident. I'm <laughs> like, oh, spacefaring pirates. Am I really going to enjoy this? Whatever. I trust the, the game master. It's going to be fine. And we had a blast. We hopped from planet to planet. We looted everything. Eventually, we got gunpowder and things went, you know. Even crazier. Yes. (laughs) It was good times because, you know, the ship is your world. Your crew is your companions. It's it's a party on uh, on Oak. And we we ran out of room eventually, price on our heads. And, uh, yeah, we ended with a a flash of glory. Nice. Yeah. As in the boat exploded? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only way to go. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Steve? Have you ever uh, played or ran in a in a campaign that you know could be used in a book like uh, this? Not D and D specifically. Uh, I was in a uh, in the there's a game called Savage Worlds that has a setting called mm. Fifty Fathoms. Nice. And I I played in a Fifty Fathoms campaign that went for I don't know two or three years. I oh think. wow! So um, yeah, uh, other but in D and D, just small adventures. You know, I mean, everybody's gets on a boat at some point, right? Fights off the sea monster. What do you think? What do you think makes it uh, compelling to? Ha- I mean, you know, obviously the what you were just talking about uh, having the party on a boat and going from place to place. But like, you know, what what should a dunge- dungeon master think about when they're thinking about running a campaign like this? <laughs> it, in a in a nautical campaign, anytime you give the players something like a ship, mm-hmm. you're handing them a huge amount of freedom, mm, and yes. the first thing they're going to do is sail that ship to some portion of the campaign map that you have never even thought about, mm-hmm. let alone planned, right? So that's the main thing. You know, once you, once you turn the, the players loose on that, they are going to find ways to make your life miserable. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know? interesting because I might think that something set on a ship would actually make it harder or have less, less flexibility because you're, on, you're contained on a ship. But right. what you're saying is that it's just... The boundaries are limitless. as long as they're allowed to steer. You have this problem, but <laughs> right, it's uh, not on rails. It's the opposite of on it's rails. Yeah, it's exactly. on rails. Exactly. Except there are ways around it, right? Like the salvage operation adventure in here yeah, can I take place one. anywhere, mm-hmm. right? You, as long as you're on a ship, you can have that adventure. Yeah, um, and 
it's a bit of a deus ex machina, but hey, there's a storm, right? You don't wind up where you think you're going to wind That's up. That's right. You can always do the Gilligan's yeah. Island. Do yeah. the Gilligan's Island. Blow them off course. Then all of a sudden they need to meet the professor and Marianne and build a raft. Right. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about this book in particular is that it, it can, I mean, obviously you can use those adventures and you get the, the final product has a way to, you know, take it as a campaign from level one to level 12 yep. if you so choose. But each one of these adventures can be placed in any campaign and in answer to something that you're talking about. Like if, you know, oh, you're going in the way I didn't have anything planned for, you find a boat that's listless and at sea <laughs> and it's, you know, okay, what's at the bottom of that boat? Or, mm-hmm. or you know, some of the island adventures that are in here that you can just plop yes. in sure. as not necessarily filler content, but just like, okay, I didn't plan for this, but I can use anything from this book uh, in, in the ocean. Right. I mean, like the, the adventure, uh, Mike Merles' adventure salvage operation yeah. is the way the adventure is set up, characters are going on purpose out to find this floating hulk uh, and find, you know, uh, get, grab something off of it. Right. Um, but there's no reason why if you have characters traveling around on a, on a ship, uh, you can't, can't just, just encounter that. Yeah, they can't just find that thing. And no group of self-respecting D&D players <laughs> is going to see a wrecked ship floating on the ocean and we not should. go... Just leave it alone. Yeah, ooh, we that might... call the Coast that, That's private property. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 What's well, the maritime Said law no about this? Uh, player ever. <laughs> pretty much yeah. every dungeon is about trespassing, right? It is pretty much. Yeah, you're not supposed to be there. Um, and, and I mean, and I when I ran Salva's operation at at GaryCon, and I placed it uh, at Port Nianzaru in Chultz. Oh, uh, it was like it was, the, was the leaping off point. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is great. Oh. It's so easy. Nice. You can you can put it into uh, any campaign. Yeah, very simply. Uh, but there's other adventures in there that you can do that too with as well. Oh yeah, um, the styes is pretty much any town with a CD side. Um, yeah, which is every town. Yeah, they really the characters don't actually. The only boat they get on on that particular adventure, I think, is hanging from a crane. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's a port town, but it's not the most right, nautical a, of Right, the it's adventures. a port town, but the adventure itself doesn't take place on a ship. Right. Uh, it has a lot of... It, it wouldn't work if it wasn't on the coast. But uh. Cool, cool. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think something with, with, with nautical themes is one it's kind overdue. Of, yeah, it's one area that 5th yeah. edition mm-hmm. hasn't really uh, covered a lot. I know people are excited for it. Oh, man, the art. And the art is always going to be Behind fantastic. every good piece of art is a good art order. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, oh, man, look at this thing. Look at those art orders. Yeah, just man. Wow, just this right. is some Haunting good the radio, radio right here. Yeah, I know. Whoa, look at that. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's the oh best. my god. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, at, at the risk of talking too much about Salt Marsh, although we no, totally could, I think you've got some other fun yeah, stuff that you, that you brought stuff, to show. Yeah. I did. And again, this is going to be perfect for radio. The first thing I want to tell you about is something from the Dots RPG project. They do books in Braille. Love it. I don't, I think you had. Jess Dempsey on your show at one point? We maybe? have not, but I think we're, we're working on it. Oh, well, you should, because I have brought with me the Tome of Beasts, Volume 1 in Braille. That is amazing. Which, this is how they do it. It's sort of a spiral-bound book. I've never book. actually seen it, yeah. Or, and or, or felt it, rather. Bound. <laughs> the original book, of course, oh. is 400 pages new monsters, right? But... So I know. I love it. They, they do them alphabetically, basically. Like, here is letter A, and it's one volume, because Braille isn't as space-efficient. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah. It so just, this is blew my this mind. This is not the entire Tome of Beasts. It's not the entire Tome of Beasts. That basically would look like a set of encyclopedias. It would be 26 oh volumes. Wow. But they're working on it, right? Like they gave me letter A to bring here. This is to, letter A. This is letter just A. Just letter A. Yes. Okay. It's a huge spiral bound book. It is a huge spiral bound book. For those who are, can't Two-sided can't braille. I, I didn't know You can whether, watch the live stream yeah. archives. And – how do they do like typography? Like how do you do like headings? I mean, because I, I would assume with with monster descriptions, like it's all about how it looks on the page, right? So right. how do you do that in in Braille? I don't know. I'm asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get Jess on the show. Yeah, really. I do. I do. We should also. Have, I I spoke with a, an amazing, um, amazing Dungeons and Dragons player by the name of Blind Temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, when I played a character that was blind uh, on, a, on a live stream last fall, and uh, and uh, he was very instructive about like, oh no, this, these are the type of things that you know blind people would do and things like that. So I would love to, to to pick his brain a little bit more too about you know what what kind of resources would make more sense, right? Yeah. Um, well, this is one resource I didn't even realize that there were groups dedicated to turning mm-hmm. gaming materials into braille materials. Yeah. Um, but they offer them, as I understand it, pretty much. Um, for free to local game shops, right? Like, if you have a player who might benefit from this, they That's will amazing. get you a copy of the set of books. Um, good stuff. And good on you guys for, for you know... Well, they did all the work. There. We just got... We, we gave them permission and said, well, how is this going to work exactly? Right. right? Like, how does the art translate at all? Or do people turn that into descriptions? And oh, is it yeah. art order? Do they, they just do? get your art orders? And oh, put it in yeah. No, they, they do sort of take... Uh, a sighted person takes the art and then turns it into text, right? So oh. it's kind of, it's a skeleton, and it's got a... Like the alt text in, uh, on web pages. Yeah, it's exactly like alt text, so that, you know, um, you get a sense of what does it look like. Well, it's like a centipede, but with a human head. Uh, and oh. and uh, their descriptions it's are like really good. Centipede. And it, it goes back the other way. For us, it was really interesting, because they're like, well, if you want the, uh, the descriptions that we're going to write up, you can use them as alt text. We'll just hand you those. I'm like, our alt text is terrible. We'd love to have <laughs> yes, your descriptions. Bring it on. So we're going to do that and roll that into our Tome of Beasts uh, PDF so that everybody um, has that, whether they're using screen readers or w- w- whatever they're going to use. So, so how we, long did it – you might have said this. How long did it take to do that? To do the first yeah, volume? Yeah. Uh, they knocked the first one out. I think they have a team of three in about a week. So letter A is oh, was really? a week. And that 26 more letters is 26 more weeks. Okay. Uh, yeah. They they can go very quickly. Um, but then printing it is a whole nother matter. I, yeah. I don't know how you print Braille either. So anyway, reasons to have Jess on the show. Yes. Yeah, we got Absolutely. a lot of questions. Um, but yeah, that's not all we've been up to, of course. You got all the things. No. That, that was other people that's doing not cool all. work. Uh, yeah, back in February, we published an adventure. Uh, Courts of the Shadow Fae for 5th edition. And I'm one of the authors. And Dan Dillon, who I understand is a wizard of he the coast. He's an official wizard. He is my co-author. Not of the coast quite yet, but no, he Dan is of the Midwest. Of the yeah, middle. he's a wizard of the Midwest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he's moving out here, right? Yeah. That's true. So yeah. he will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, I brought one just to show. It's, uh, it's intrigue. Cool, yeah. Courts of the Shadow Realm, Shadow Fae. I don't know who might want to look at that. Thank you. It's levels Ooh, eight I, I like her necklace. Tw- yeah, isn't she great? Mm-hmm. Can you get that necklace? I want that necklace. Uh-huh. It's cool. one of those adventures where, like, you wrap up, say, I don't know, a Waterdeep adventure, and you're level eight, and then what? Well, you could play Courts of the Shadowfit next. Well, what's the, uh, what's the plot? What's the, the premise the is quick? there's a town. Well, it's set in Zobek, so it 
but any large town will do. Mm-hmm. Uh, a representative of the Shadow Fae shows up and says, nice town you got here, nice thing. Um, we own it, and we have the paperwork to prove it. And they start monkeying with it, and they start assuming that they are in charge of town. And you need to go clear this up with them, ah. which means you need to go to the <laughs> Shadowfell and um, have words with the authorities who have made this horrible mistake. I see. So that's the basic plot. Um, and then you get into the court intrigue. And the court intrigue, yeah. Well, at first, they're not even sure that you're worth their time. The Shadow Fae, my favorite part about them is they are gigantic, enormous snobs. They're like elves <laughs> turned up to about 12, right? No matter what you say or who you are, 13, I think what dragons you have slain, they're like, yeah, but you're not one of us, right? Yeah. So it still kind of sucks to be you. And they, they look down at everyone and... Um, my experience is that high-level D&D players uh, take to this. <laughs> they do not react well They do to not that. react well. They hate these guys. They don't like being looked down upon at no. all. No. And I'm like, well, I'm enjoying myself being snooty elfy McElf. And, uh, <laughs> oh, is that character stated up in there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> snooty Elfie McElf? Elfie McElf. I believe his name. Of the McElf realm. <laughs> <laughs> of the Midwestern McElfs. <laughs> um and so that really bear folk. They are oh yeah, there are bear folk in there as well. Right, that's that's a reason to get into this. So basically, that's enough motivation for most high level characters. Is like we are going to show them we're going to the shadow plane and we're going to kick some butt until they respect our authority. Right? Yeah. Um, I was going to say I, I cannot count the number of adventures where I have included a scene that basically says everything here will go smoothly Until. as long as the characters are respectful. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> the assumption here is the characters will not be respectful. You know as soon as you type that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the assumption is they are going to lose their shit. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Shadow Elves, this is the most irritating thing about them, is not only are they snooty and superior, but they kind of have the chops to back it up. Right, oh. they like, have the power, especially have, in their realm. They have tricks, like they're used to dealing with humans. So, like, you break out the barbarian and the fireballs, and they're, like, ready for you, uh, which only makes it worse. I like how you guys <laughs> split up, um, just as I'm flipping through here, like, act one, scene one. Yeah. Like, it makes it a very Shakespearean feeling. It's really divided into three buckets. Like, there's the one in the city, then there's your first section in the Shadow Realm, and then there's the second run of the Shadow Realm, which... There's a twist I'm not going to spoil. Oh, you almost did. You almost I did. I wanted yep. to spoil it, but <laughs> I'm like, oh, not so going to. I love fe- this. I'm going to show it even though it is not great radio. But the, the bear folk uh, art here, I just I can't stop looking at it. It looks really cool. I want to be a bear folk. Can I be a bear folk? You can. Yes. There I are want... stats for bear folk yes. PC. Be a bear cool. folk. All right, I'm in. I'm I want to be an owl bear folk. An owl bear folk. Is that in here too? Uh, no, but we really seem to have missed a bed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Maybe a supplement. So nice. we actually sold out of the first print run. It's awesome. available in PDF. It will be on Roll20. Mm. It'll be on Fantasy Grounds. And we're doing a second print run. I was just nice. going to say, you're reprinting it. And right? I'm getting Dan Dillon to like sign copies, man. As you should. Yeah. Signed, autographed, fanciness. So just random question. Mm-hmm. When you are coming up with a new adventure, mm-hmm. and this one is for level 7 through 10? Uh, 8 through 12, somewhere 8 through 12, now. okay. I don't know if that's seven what it says 10? on the back. Does it say 7 through 10? Oh, you know why? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Typo! No. It does say 7 through 10. <laughs> yeah, because the there was an earlier edition of this adventure. Okay. It was for, like, This might 12. answer my question or yes. be part of... 
Um, but how do you, what comes first? Like you say, like, we want an adventure for around these levels. Or you write the adventure and you're like, well, we got to scale this back. This was written for fourth edition originally. Oh. And so some of the work getting it into fifth, well, Dan did a lot of it. And, um, and Kim Mohan, who edits a lot of Wizards of the Coast, yeah. book, did a chunk. Um, we didn't really have a set level range. We were like, we have this fourth edition adventure. We just want it to be a 5e adventure. What level does it translate out as? Okay. Because a bunch of the monsters in Courts of the Shadow Fae are in Tome of Beasts or are in the Creature Codex. So we'd already statted creatures. Yeah. And then we said, well, turns out it's more like 7 to 10 than 8 to 12. I was going to say, most of those Shadow Court things are a handful. Yes. So, so that's uh, what it's based on? You look at, like, what obstacles players are going to face off against and they should be at this level to keep it balanced. Yeah, and we actually got quite clever with some of the encounter design because we said if characters because there's not a totally linear sequence, we said if your characters are already a higher level, here's how you adjust the numbers of enemies and if your characters aren't quite there yet, take out this one monster to balance it. So there's some scaling that goes on in the text, Mm -hmm. which okay, a dungeon master could do that on the fly if you're experienced and you're like, oh, this is going to crush my group. Yeah. But it's, it's good nice to have it yeah. there. They right. might not know that. Yeah, especially for newer players. Yeah. Or even if you're just like, oh, yeah. I, I, you know, if just a reminder. If, if you're a lazy DM, it's all right. Yes. There. <laughs> There's no such thing. Of. Yes. Being a DM, you're inherently already not lazy. You're overprepared. I'm the opposite. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'll read this 15 minutes before we got to start uh, this. One session. of those improv DMs yeah. who exactly. makes it look so yeah. easy. Yes. yes. It, well, I don't make it look easy. I probably yeah. am screwing up all along, but it's, uh, you know, just the time, the bandwidth issue. Yeah. Yeah. So it is nice to have yeah, those guidelines really nice. in there so that, you know, uh, you don't necessarily kill your party in the first uh, don't encounter. don't want to kill the party right off. You I mean, want to no. kill them slowly later. Yeah, second mm-hmm. encounter at least. <laughs> Get them attached. Yeah. It's more fun. Uh, and what's what's the, is this a poster? This, this is a poster because I don't have the book yet. This book is coming out. All right, so it's called Tales of the Old Margrave. Ooh, it was a Kickstarter. There's an owl bear for you. An owl bear. There's your owl bear. This goes right to Shelley because you. come on. Um, yeah, owl bear oh, on the hi. cover. It's the deep cutie. dark forest. This I is cutie. All of us are petting you. <laughs> and we're so happy about the way this adventure turned out. Um, it's all deep dark woods. It's all owl bears. It's all elves. It's all druids and rangers. This is a good one. Um, and it's adventures from levels one to twelve, including a little visit with Baba Yaga. Oh, I know Baba. she's got cook- she tea bad. and cookies for everyone. <laughs> um, are owl bears really this tall? Well, when they rear up, they're really. Yeah, they're large. All right. Well, cobalt press owl bears are bigger and meaner. Oh, <laughs> bigger and meaner. Hundred and fifty percent. We're gonna have bigger. to have some words and put "use" in owl bear now. What? Yeah, owl bear. <laughs> owl bear. <laughs> that um, is awesome. And that's out in May, and it is that is where you can find indeed some bear folk stats for new bear folk variants. Hey, uh, variants even like polar bear folk. No, this koala is a forest. Koala bear folk? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a koala bear. Panda bear folk? <laughs> Teddy bear yeah. folk? You're not allowed to kill them. <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> and we've got, uh, we've got a Margrave Player's Guide, too. That's where all the, those racial options are. And the druids. Uh, Dennis Astaire. Oh, my God. Steve, do you remember Dennis? Sure. All right. Well, he wrote a bunch of druid variants, including the Circle of Oak. For the Margrave Players Grid. He's the guy who invented the Druid back like in 1970. Oh, right? wow. Wrote the original Druid class. That's really? awesome. And, and we, Chariots of Sister. 
that's that's him. That's spell that's named for oh. for Dennis. Dennis. Oh, Dennis yeah. is there. Okay. And so we, I don't know, I flipped out and fanboyed um, and said, "Gee, um, would you care to write some druid stuff for fifth edition?" And he was like, yeah, well, no one's asked me. Uh, <laughs> like, well, I'm asking you now. I'm asking you I now. He's, and he's, one of, he's one of those names that it, uh, people figure out, oh, he, well, he must be, he must have, he? his roster is so full. How yeah, could he possibly, and so no one asks him to do work. I know, but I guess he did Bunny Some Burrows, too. Well, yeah, that was, that was his other right, one. he just did that for... Uh, uh, I always love the yeah. older Jew, uh, the Druid kind of write-ups because it was that one, you couldn't ex- uh, get to the next level unless you found the Druid who was at that level and, and kill him <laughs> or her. And I was like, that's the only way you could level up was if to take right? the one mantle so and get higher. I was like, was yes. that him? Did he come up with that uh, idea? Was that? The, I don't know that that was in the 1976 Druid. No, that, was I that feel a like that was an advanced. AD&D? Yeah. That, well, that was what was in the, the AD&D Druid. I don't recall if that was in, in the... Because the, the original one was in, what, Dragon Magazine, I think? Yes, uh, the very first Druid was Yeah, uh, I don't know if, that, if they had that whole hierophant structure in there at that point or not. Yeah. It was very evocative. Though. But I was just thrilled that he did a bunch of new spells and a new circle yeah. and <laughs> magic items, and I'm like... I remember reading that in the player's handbook. And specifically, not playing a druid because, because it would I was be too like, much work. by the time I get to, I never had a character make it to fourteenth level to begin with. <laughs> right? Why I was concerned about that, I don't know. Yeah, I was the opposite. I was the opposite. I was, I was like, to. I want to play this character because it's like just getting to the next level was a quest unto itself, and I was like, that's that seems <laughs> fun. I don't know yeah. why my twelve year old self was like, that's perfect. That's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Never actually have done it, but uh, you know, maybe one day, maybe one day we will. As I'll be a, a bear folk and druid, yes, or wild shape into bear. It's close enough. Right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, right. We're all bears deep down. <laughs> what happens when the bear folk druid wild shapes? Hmm. I'm sure someone's thought into about a human. This. <laughs> I gotta talk to Dan Dillon about this. <laughs> Get him on the horn. We'll talk to Dan. <laughs> That awesome. My, the Bear Fork character I played in your short-lived oh, yeah. campaign was a druid. Yes, he was. Oh, you were going to put this to the test, were you? But yes, I was. I kept, <laughs> But I never got high enough level to actually be able to shape change into a bear from a bear folk. So. <laughs> got to get this going again. <laughs> we got to really run this experiment. Like there's some bitterness. <laughs> See yeah. what happens. Never yeah. was that high. Never. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you killed me before I <laughs> got that high. I know. Well, as always, it's wonderful having you uh, visit the offices. Oh, sure. uh, come down more. I want to see all these, this fun stuff. Oh, yeah, sure. you always and have a play pile more D and D with I'd you guys. Try to bring the stuff. Yeah, you bring it. <laughs> you bring it. You bring it out to everyone in the audience uh, and uh, to here in the office. It's a pleasure. So, you guys rock. Well done. There's some amazing stuff coming out in like high volume these days. I'm real happy. The D and D team is so big. I don't know everybody anymore. I mean, you know Dan. That's good. I know Dan. Yeah. <laughs> He's my ringer now. He's yeah. like, hey, Dan, what's really going on over there? <laughs> Tell me what's happening behind <laughs> the scenes. Are there any U's being put in any places? <laughs> yeah. <that I> know <laughs> about? Tell me about the British invasion. I'm worried. <laughs> oh, the British D&D uh, is coming. We're, going, we're getting into the UK and all around, so uh, oh, this would be great. Man. Well, Let's play some D&D. All right. Next let's. time you come. Let's yes. I, I see you have the dice here. It's, we've got all the accoutrements uh, to make it happen. Ready. Uh, Steve, great to, to meet you and uh, you too. You know, have you here. And yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to Ghosts of Salt Marsh and everybody checking it out on May 21st. It's available everywhere. Uh, look for it there. Um, how can people find you, what's going on with Cobalt Press and you yourself? Oh, Wolfgang? sure. Well, uh, Cobalt Press is at Cobalt Press on Twitter, and we're Facebook, Cobalt Press on Facebook, and. 
I think we're on Instagram now. Nice. And we've got a Twitch channel coming this summer. Cool. Ooh, exciting. I know. A very small Twitch channel. Well, it'll actually it'll be quite nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, if you're doing any interview shows, you know, I mean, I think there's two we people. We should have you on just I to mean, see what happens. I mean, I know you want to talk <laughs> to Ryan. And <laughs> Pelham. Pelham and Ryan are available. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> In their spare hours, I know they're looking for additional. Yeah. Um, so all of those places. And me personally, I'm at Monkey King on Twitter. Nice. And Steve, what about you? Where are uh, you at? I'm also at Monkey King on Twitter. <laughs> well, the real Monkey right. King, please stand up. get in touch up. with me. <laughs> uh, no, I'm uh, STV Winter on Twitter, and I'm on Facebook as Stephen Winter. And, and uh, at one point I had a blog, but I don't keep it up anymore. So. It was a I good think blog. that the world is like that now. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone had one at one point, and nobody keeps up with it. Right. <laughs> oh, man. I really enjoy Good talking stuff. to those gentlemen. Always. Yes. Yes. I feel like my, my knowledge of Dungeons and Dragons, but also life, has increased yep. tenfold. Know, always good to talk to, to Wolfgang, but he also always brings really good guests. Exactly. He's right? Good people. Uh, I was, it was really great to see Anna B. Meyer, uh, previous yes. uh, guest on the show, yep. at Gary Khan. That was great. Yep. Uh, very excited about uh, all of her maps. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll have Steve on again soon, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Sweet. For sure. That was great. What is going on with we even really talked about Avalon Hill. I know you got so many things that you want to spoil. I wish right I now. could. I can't. So yeah. pass. But you're working on stuff. Yes. Yes. And then on uh, other stuff. Yeah. That I am oh, it's so exciting. Maybe after the stream. Oh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Is that true? Sure. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I know what you're talking about. I'm picking up what you're putting down. You picking that up? It involves things that are small and flat. Yeah, and then other things. And then other things that are oblong and pointed. You know what I mean. I now I'm just saying. I'm going to do a PSA about Kate Welch. <gasps> She's so great. <laughs> Love her. And she her is, eye makeup is impeccable. She and she is said great. she would do my makeup at the stream. <gasps> no way, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm going to have good makeup for once. We should stream that. We'll put it on the I schedule. I told her that. Let's do a show. Let's talk to Bart about a makeup show. <laughs> yes. That actually is great. I think we should do that. There is so much that people Kate. don't know about on how to how to how to do that, and especially like, you know, not like, a, you know, people who play Dungeons and Dragons wear makeup differently, but there is like a, a an aesthetic, yeah, that that could be used. She's really good. Yeah, like what, let's what, give her another show. What do elves look like when they, you know, her and Satine? Oh my god! I know, right? Can you imagine? That was one of my most favorite things when uh, Satine came into the office uh, over the past year, and the two of them were immediately started talking about eyeliner and how it all worked and whatever, and they had this like oh, melding of my minds. God. Those like makeup tutorials are very popular on YouTube. We yes. need one. We That's need right. one. And I can just be like their Barbie head dummy, <laughs> and I'll just sit here, and they can just apply makeup. To just me. like. Put makeup on me like I'm one of your French girls. Yes. yes. Let's make sure that show is like Friday afternoon so then I can just like leave work. And then you'd be like, like oh, I'm hey, coming out. Hey. I've got the world to see. <laughs> and then your daughter, Kesha, would be so like excited. She would. Yeah. She Maybe would be we, like, she could be a guest. teach me how to put makeup on like that. And you're like, I will. Oh, Come like, and talk watch to Kate. my show. <laughs> my Barbie I... head dummy show. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I don't think that's a good branding. It's <laughs> just like... The working title. Okay, I understand. Yep. I got it. Uh, so we'll put that on on, on the uh, schedule, uh, and uh, and make it work. Okay, yes. let's do it. Make it work. Um, so that was you. That was me throwing Avalon Hill news to you, but you got nothing. So I have stuff. Right. 
Nothing official. Well, I can tell you, like, Betrayal Legacy is starting to, like, pull in some awards of, like, best board game <gasps> of the year. And really? Yeah. We're getting on some, some... Some lists? Some lists. Hitting some lists. Nice. Not just the end of year stuff, but, like, actual, like, award awards? Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. That they're, like, awarding now. That they're coming from, out like, now. Past right. It's like the Oscars. Yeah. Because yeah. it's that awesome. Yeah. Who is not playing that game? Play the game. You know, uh, we have been playing a session of that in the office, but yeah. somebody went on vacation and we haven't been able to play. You guys didn't play without me? No, we didn't I play left without it on you. I the schedule. You and Bart were the both sketchy? gone. Two of the. Don't do it. Woo! Drop my first sketchy. Woo! <laughs> 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 oh, please help me out, chat. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, we, we, two of those five players weren't there. We weren't going to, like, you know, steamroll you. Oh, thank you. But maybe we will. I did, actually, it wasn't on your schedule. It was not it on the schedule. the schedule. Yeah. That wasn't me. But it's back. It's back on. We're going to finish this game. We'll do it. It's awesome. I can't wait. And I can't wait to see how Rob Davio will just frighten me for years and years to come. Yeah. There's I, some really I dark, rarely have like dreams and nightmares. Happening. This is like the longest outro ever, but I don't care. Uh, I rarely have like remembered dreams and, and nightmares, but I had one. And one of them, uh, it was like this long involved like almost X-Files investigation thing that was happening yeah. but almost unrelated to that and, and this is what I woke up like you know kind of in a not good mood somewhat screaming uh, was there? Oh I was God. having this conversation with someone uh, in the dream and then behind them was like a pipe and along the pipe inching along was a doll and it like turned at oh, me oh what yes and it was the creepiest thing ever, and I woke up, you know, ah, 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 ah. That's totally... And I blame Rob Davio. That is Rob Davio. That is right Rob. There. Rob right there. Thank oh, you for ruining God. my sleep. Yeah. No bueno. That's terrible. It didn't even really have anything to do with the rest of the dream. It was just like there was just the like creepy little, thing on like, top that I was like, okay, no, nope, I'm out. A little betrayal legacy popped I'm in there. I'm nope out of that one. And creepy I woke doll. up. Creepy doll. Yeah. No bueno. No. All right. good. Excellent. We are going to uh, uh, finish up this here podcast uh, and uh, and get it done. I know, right? Talking about creepy dolls and the door just opened. I know (laughs) that is true. Uh, And just a creepy doll walks in, like, Uh, what are you doing here? Yes, exactly. Get out of here, creepy doll, uh, Murderbot. (laughs) Chucky. Um, Chucky. How can people find you? That's what I want. I want. I want people to be pestering you for all the news uh, about stuff. Where can they find you? <laughs> Online. That's that's the prompting here. I guess on Twitter. Yeah. Shelly Moo. Follow her, Follow please. Me. Yes. Into the dark. And uh, Avalon Hill too. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, Avalon you should Hill do that too. as well. And Avalon Hill Games on Facebook. I'm sure you'll be posting all about the awards that you win yeah, on those platforms. Um, I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram as well, Greg underscore Tito oh, it's there. A Greg Tito. Find out all about Dungeons and Dragons with your Dragon Plus app. Uh, that will a new issue is coming out uh, basically when you're listening to this on cool. the podcast form. So download it so right much. now. There's tons of content that comes out on there every two months, and uh, it does it does amazing stuff. So. Uh, download that if you can. All of that is also available on dragonmag.com. Find out about uh, D&D Live at uh, dnd.wizards.com slash dndlive2019. And you'll be updating. Yes, and it's updated with um, new guests, new people, uh, and uh, we'll be putting up a schedule for all of the stuff very soon. Oh! <laughs> wow. wow. That was like a, a... You just planted... 
That sonic sonic right boom, though, seemed to loosen some of the, the rocks and boulders in this cave. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, good thing I'm not standing under any. Yeah, well, I don't have time to kind of deal with that. I have to put that on the schedule, I guess. Oh! Oh! oh.